everybody online looking good. I'm kind of in the mood for some stimulating conversation. Start sequence. Five, four, three, two, one. And now, Richard Tom. Get in on the discussion now. Lines are open. And now, here's your host, Richie L. And I have a couple of websites for you, ChristianTalkThatRocks.net or ChristianTalkThatRocks.com. Live on our email address is DrRichiel at gmail.com, T-A-L-K-T-O-R-I-C-H-I-E-L at gmail.com, DrRichiel at gmail.com. Several ways to get this broadcast in podcast format and locale, and by the way, those uh, those are available at the banner links and hyperlinks on the websites. How about Pandora? Radio.net, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just to name a few. Flagship station WMVA, The Gold Rush, which we broadcast a Friday show on Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Also, newest affiliate, NetNews Network at netnewsnetwork.net, which, by the way, is a uh, journalism, a genuine journalism news site, but they've got few podcasts on there, getting some more as well, growing a number of podcasts. This is one of them. And they take uh, select uh, episodes of this particular podcast and make those available to you. No charge. You can download them anytime. It's your pleasure or leisure. Also, streaming the show live most days, uh, weekdays that is, at 2.06 p.m., beginning at 2.06 p.m. Eastern to about roughly 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they do make uh, this show available, streaming it. Then you can go to Zeno.fm. And by the way, the links to Thunderous Radio at the websites, both Christian Talk at Rockstar.com. Or you can just simply uh, go to um, MyTuner. You can go to Radio.net. You can go to Streamender. And you can find, just search Thunderous Radio there. Okay, and you'll find Thunderous Radio at both of those locations. Uh, just make sure you look for the icon that has, um, it's like a lightning bolt kind of coming down one side. It'll be blackish blue. It'll have a lightning bolt kind of coming down one side, and on the other side it'll say Thunderous Radio. So, you know, look for it. Lindsey Graham, play a clip from him in a minute, wants to see these drug cartels in Mexico classified as terrorist organizations. Not simply criminal organizations. The terrorist organizations along the lines of, say, ISIS or um, other types of organizations, I guess you, you, you could say, the Al-Qaeda, those types of folks. And I've been wondering how long it would take for somebody in our federal government to figure this out. That these Mexican cartels have grown beyond simply being garden variety criminal organizations. That they're way past that. That these cartels are now paramilitary terrorist type organizations. You may have seen some footage, you may not, because a lot of the mainstream media didn't talk much about it, which I found fascinating. But about a month ago, uh, about two months ago, I guess it's been, there was a pretty bad firefight that went on for multiple days between Mexican military, Mexican law enforcement, and some of the cartels 
in northern Mexico, Sinaloa's and others. And they got the best, in some cases, of both the Mexican military and their police organizations. I mean, the Mexican military was in there fighting with, for example, the war dogs. But the cartels had RPGs, 50 cal and greater machine guns, armored vehicles. They were wearing helmets and camo. I mean, they looked just like a military organization. They were taking pot shots at planes. I mean, it was just crazy. And winning. And I said at the time, if that doesn't tell you where these cartels are, I, I, I don't know what will. Then, of course, uh, we had um, the uh, information that four Americans were held hostage by these cartels, apparently over the weekend. They'd gone down there to Matamoros, which is just, you know, rocks, though, across the the river there, Rio Grande River, uh, just south of Brownsville, Texas. And a lot of people cross through there for work and other things, both sides. I mean, it's it's almost like two, it's almost like one big city, sort of two cities in one, if you will. If you've ever been to that part of the country, you know what I'm talking about. But if not, you just have to take my word for it. And uh, Matamoros has had its problems with Americans being grabbed as hostages. And apparently these, these four folks sort of stumbled in between a rival cartel gangs going at each other and they got caught up in this thing one of them was killed and uh, a couple of them severely injured it appears uh, last I, I heard updates on this they're trying to get the body back of the the one who was killed but this is kind of par for the course I mean this kind of stuff has happened for years down there this I mean now it's kind of a big news story uh, and it should be. I'm not saying it shouldn't. But this kind of craziness has been going on down there for a number of years. And we've largely largely just treated it as just, well, it's a law enforcement issue, criminal activity issue, and uh, let the Mexican law enforcement deal with it. Well, here's the problem. The Mexican government has become more and more impotent to deal with these cartels. And in fact, some might even argue that to some extent, the Mexican government has itself become sort of hostage to the cartels, but by the same token, many of uh, the critics of the Mexican government claim that the reason why they were fighting the cartels after the first of the year was because they were trying to get in on the action. <laughs> they wanted to be the cartel. What you have is the beginnings, if not already there, of a, of a failed narco state. This is what Mexico is becoming, or some might even argue has already become. That's very dangerous to have right on a border. By the way, the cartels have plenty of tentacles coming into this country. You may also recall, and I talked about it on this show, please go back and listen to archives, uh, I believe it was back in December, that a so-called safe house in San Antonio run by the cartels was busted. They were holding uh, several illegal immigrants, if you will, well, kind of hostage in there, and forcing their families to pay these ransoms few thousand a month and to keep them in this quote safe house they eventually they get busted the 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 people running it well they were cartels they were cartel people and several were arrested there in san antonio and they busted the place up so to speak 
but this kind of stuff is happening in cities near the border and even further into the border all over the Southwest. This, the, in other words, this incident in San Antonio was not isolated. And I have said on this show, I've been saying for a long time, and again, please go back and listen to archives, that we need to start treating these cartels as what they are, which is not only criminal organizations, but paramilitary terrorist organizations. I've also used this analogy, which you're going to hear from, from Lindsey Graham, that if you just look at the nearly 100,000 a, a, a year in the past two years, young adults dying from fentanyl overdoses. Just look at those numbers. That's way more than it, than the number of people killed on 9-11. That's more young people killed than the Vietnam War and the, all the wars we've fought since. In Afghanistan and Iraq, all those wars combined. That's more people in a year than are killed in gun violence and automobile accidents in this country. Those are big numbers. Big numbers. And what is the Biden administration doing about it? Well, not much. But share a clip from Queen the spin machine Jean-Pierre in a bit as well. She makes it sound like, oh, they just been Biden administration's just been furiously fighting all this. Yeah, right. Uh, but Lindsey Graham and along with uh, Senator Kennedy, John Kennedy, have finally come to the conclusion, the light bulbs finally went on above the heads, that it is time, past time, for Congress to, in essence, declare these organizations as terrorist organizations, and, in essence, what really what Lindsey Graham and Kennedy are really talking about is declaring war on these people, is declaring war on them. Now, constitutionally, Congress has the power to do that. Biden administration has sort of been taking the tack. Well, we're going to see what the State Department says. Well, the State Department doesn't get to declare war. It's not in the Constitution. They don't get to define who's an enemy and who's not. That's not in the Constitution. Um, the State Department, generally speaking, has been given the latitude to declare which organizations are terrorists and which aren't. But ultimately, if we're going to send troops to fight them, that falls constitutionally under the purview of Congress. Congress declares war, not the president. And if Congress basically says, yeah, we need to go punch these guys, well, that's in essence declaring war. And that means Joe Biden can't sit there and go, well, I need to shoot the State Department. No, that means you get the troops together and you send them down there. Now, we're not talking about an invasion, per se, of Mexico, uh, you know, attacking Mexico. The idea is to work with Mexican military, Mexican authorities. In other words, if you can't get it done yourself, we will help you do it. And I have said this and said this and said this. I don't know how many times on this show that that's what it's going to take to knock these guys out. Now, of course, the danger zone here is <laughs> what's going to replace, you know, w will the Mexican government fill in the void and will it be a corrupt Mexican government? See, here's a problem. Obrador and Biden both don't seem to have the ability, the guts or the will to take this on. Neither one of them. Sadly. You have two incompetent presidents on both sides of the border. And the cartels darn well know this. So do the Chicoms, who are helping to get the chemicals to the cartels to make the deadly fentanyl, as they sit back and laugh. Because anything that harms us, they like. 
anything that harms the, the USA, the Chinecom government likes to a certain extent. It's the, against the old Cold War philosophy of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, I've got to go to break. When we get back, I'm going to let you hear Lindsey Graham and this uh, proposal that he has in the Senate, the Senate, the, basically a Senate bill that he's trying to get through to classify these um, cartels as, in essence, terrorist organizations, which, again, they would have the constitutional authority to do. The State Department would say or do whatever it wants in that regard, I suppose, to a point, but ultimately, power to declare war, per our Constitution, is Congress. It's not the State Department. It's not even the President. And if the Constitution says, okay, we're declaring war, then the President, as Commander-in-Chief, really has kind of an obligation to act, whether he likes to, wants to, or not. So this sort of pushes Biden in the corner, constitutionally speaking, to get him to move. Now, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. If it doesn't, then he's ignoring the Constitution. And at that point, then you need to start uh, impeachment procedures. Let's take a pause. Of course, it took these folks, uh, I don't know how long to finally, for the light bulb to finally go on over the head. More to come. Stay close. More talk continues next with Richie L. More Christian talk that rocks next. Needing a tuxedo? Why rent when you can buy one at only $89.99 at Suit City? Suit City has tuxedos, Steve Harvey suits, and blazers. And suits starting at $39.99. Shoes starting at $19.99 with brands such as Stacey Adams and more. At Suit City, we have all your accessories, hats, ties, and a wide variety to suit your needs. On any occasion, Suit City will have you looking your best. Suit City has pastor robes, men's suits, and dress suits, blazers plus men's shirts. Why rent a tuxedo when you can buy at Suit City at only $89.99? Visit our website at SuitCityUSA.com. That's SuitCityUSA.com. SuitCityUSA.com. Look your best with tuxedos and suits at Suit City with stores in Collinsville, Danville, and Roanoke. Hi, I'm Danny Ilo. You may know me as an actor, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is my service to this country. In the Army, I saw firsthand how training and discipline instill a value that create great leadership abilities and a can-do spirit. Those same strong values stay with service members when they return to civilian life and enter the workplace. So remember the highest smart and bet on a vet. To learn more, call 888-44-SALUTE or visit saluteheroes.org. Now, the world's oldest living teenager, your host, Richie L. Okay, so let's hear a clip here from Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina. By the way, I think these... uh, few of the hostages that were taken, one of them that was killed, anyway, actually from South Carolina, so this hits a little close to home for him. It's sort of sad that it took something like this, and it got a lot of play in the media for, well, some of the media for a change, that it took something like this to get some people to maybe rethink what's going on. Now, Merrick Garland 
was before Congress here the other day and was asked, well, you know, what do you think about it? I mean, in essence, was asked, and in, in, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase, but was asked about these cartels and, you know, what are you doing? Of course, you're still looking at them as just strictly a criminal organization. They're not looking beyond that box. And they think that they can handle them as a criminal. Well, no, you can't because they're beyond that. No more than you can handle Al-Qaeda or ISIS as a criminal, strictly uh, simply as a criminal organization. Now, they are a criminal organization. That is true. But they're beyond that. They're more. That's just one layer. Okay. That's just part of what they are. They are beyond that. Again, they fall into the realm of ISIS, in my opinion, and uh, Al-Qaeda. And look what we did to those organizations. So. Uh, and there, and, and I would argue that at this point in time, at this moment, these, uh, Latin American cartels are a greater danger to our Republic than ISIS and Al Qaeda at the moment that could change. But at this moment, they are doing more to harm what's going on in this country to, to put us in a position of danger, great danger. And, of course, they're behind a lot of what's happening at the border as well in terms of shoveling the uh, illegal immigrants across. And, of course, they're extorting these illegal immigrants. They're having to pay thousands of dollars to get funneled by the cartels through Mexico and up across the border. And they're making literally a killing off of that. But let me let you hear uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. And I was finally glad to see him come out. I don't agree with him on a lot, but I... I was glad to see this. See him come out and say, okay, you know, it's time to get serious, quit messing around, and call, uh, you know, in essence, a, a pig a pig. Call these people who and what they are, which is terrorist organizations, not just simple, not just a simple, like, a, you know, southern ver- uh, a Mexican version of the mafia, that they're way past that now. They've gone into another realm of paramilitary organization and terrorist organization. This is past all just the, you know, they're kind of like, a, again, it's just Mexican mobsters or whatever. Here's the clip. Hey, in Mexico have been terrorizing Americans for decades. We're going to unleash the fury and might of the United States against these cartels. We're going to destroy their business model and their lifestyle because our national security and the security of the United States as a whole depends on us taking decisive action. I have a two-step approach to this, but first I want to just say we've been talking about doing something against the Mexican drug cartels regarding foreign terrorist organization designation for a decade, since 2012. Senator Kennedy and I are going to join forces We believe Democrats will be involved to label these organizations as foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law. That's the top of the food chain. An FTO designation is the highest designation you can give a criminal terrorist enterprise that's not a nation state. What would it mean? It means that all the precursors coming for China Chinese chemical companies and Chinese enterprises would be subject to being prosecuted under U.S. law for providing material support to foreign terrorist organizations, something you can't do today. 
So we're going to open up the prosecution lane. But I'm a firm believer that the prosecution model as it exists today is not working. So what are we going to do? We're going to up the ante. We're going to designate these groups and others, if appropriate, foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law, changing the game for those who provide assistance to them. What drives this is fentanyl. It's been a game changer. More people died in the United States from fentanyl poisoning than car wrecks and gun violence combined. Fentanyl is becoming the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18 to 45. 200 Americans die every day due to fentanyl overdoses. Fentanyl overdoses cause the equivalent of a new September 11th every two weeks. I think John and I believe that if there were an ISIS or al-Qaeda cell in Mexico that lobbed a rocket into Texas, we'd wipe them off the planet. They're doing that times thousands, and our response is inadequate. 106,000 people last year died of drug overdoses, 70,000 related to fentanyl with no end in sight. We've uh, recovered over 12,000 pounds of fentanyl at the border this year, enough to kill almost 3 billion people. Last year is 14,700 pounds. This year is almost 13,000 pounds, and we're just, we got eight months to go. This problem uh, is a national security threat. Fentanyl is a killer, and the people killing Americans reside out in the open in Mexico. Now, I don't know if it's a lack of will on behalf of the Mexican government to bring these cartels to bay or a lack of capability. Either way, it's the same result for the United States. Chaos, heartache, terrorism, murder, and it needs to come to an end. So we're going to do two things today. We're going to introduce legislation in the coming days and trying to make it bipartisan to designate these groups foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law to open up more capability to go after them and their uh, conspirators all over the world. Secondly, we're going to introduce an authorization to use military force where the United States military can go in and destroy these labs and destroy these networks if possible. Once you're designated an FTO, a terrorist organization, the second step that we'll be engaging in is give the military the, organi- the authority to go after these organizations wherever they exist. Not to invade Mexico, not to shoot Mexican airplanes down, but to destroy drug labs that are poisoning Americans. And this is what I've been arguing about and for for so long. You have to understand, too, that the cartels work with MS-13, who are ensconced in many of our big uh, cities and even some smaller ones, the Latin Kings and others. They work with domestic uh, organized crime organizations here in the United States. They're linked. So you have to understand that the cartels have tentacles deep in to our nation. And some of the violence that we're seeing on the streets, not all of it, but some of the violence that we're seeing on the streets in our nation, and especially in some of the southwestern cities, is directly related to interactions with doing the bidding of the Mexican cartels. And it you got to do more than just simply take the kingpins and, run, and throw them in jail. That, that's not going to stop it. We've tried that. That doesn't, I mean... Uh, that, that really doesn't work. We, we've done that. We've been doing that for years. 
we'll find one of the big shots that runs one of these cartels and we'll arrest them, drag them across the border, try them, throw them in court, and uh, and that's the end of it. Remember El Chapo? So, and that didn't stop his cartel. They just reorganized and got stronger. You have to destroy the cartels themselves. It's not just simply enough to get rid of the kingpins that are running them because somebody else will just run up the chain of command and then they're, they're the leader. But you have to destroy the cartels. You have to destroy them. You, got, you, you just got to take them out. And what we've been doing for really longer than a decade has not really been working. What's the old definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing over and over again, and next time hoping the results are different. Okay, that's that's insanity by its purest definition. That ain't been working. It's not going to work. So it's time to ta- to change strategies. And I'm glad to see Lindsey Graham, looks like John Kennedy, uh, Senator John Kennedy, and maybe some others coming on board with yeah, okay, it, it's time to up the ante here. And again, that doesn't mean we just go willy-nilly invading Mexico and starting another Mexican-American war. But it means we pick up the phone, somebody somewhere, picks up, it should be the president, but, you know, hold your breath, picks up the phone and says, look, uh, El Presidente, we're going to help you, and he probably will take the help. If he's smart, he will. We'll see. Say, look, we we really want to help you take these people out. For the sake of your country and the sake of our country and our mutual interests, we need to take these cartels out. We want to help you. We want to train your guys. We're going to put a few thousand of our uh, uh, biggest, meanest, toughest guys down there. Uh, you know, Delta Force, Green Berets, Lurch Units, Navy SEALs, whatever. And, you know, the guys that in the middle of the night kick doors down and put bullets in heads. We're going to have these guys in there, and we're going to help you out. We're going to teach you some tactics. We're going to you know, give you some extra uh, weaponry to help with you. We're going to use some of ours, and we're going to work together and, and take these bozos out. That's a conversation that needs to happen between, really between Biden and Obrador, but again, that's the weakest link in the chain right now is the Biden administration. Lindsey Graham's on the right track. And I believe there's probably some Dems that would agree with him on that. I, I think he could probably pull in uh, some Dems on that. But <laughs> the uh, the $64,000 question is, does Biden have the guts to do it? Will he will he take the initiative to go along with this, or is he going to just fall back and say, "Well, I don't know, I don't know about this." The State Department, this and that, and Merrick Garland, wah wah wah, and just sit back and you know, and, and not do what Congress is saying to do. Uh, he he's been ignoring a lot of congressional acts and laws in recent you know, that, that have been on the books for years in terms of not enforcing those things and exacerbating the issues happening at the border, like ignoring U.S. Uh, USC 1324, um, and to some extent, USC 1325, as a matter of fact. But those days have got to end. But he just he does not have the will, it's, it, it seems like, to deal with this. Of course, now that this has become a front-page story about these Americans being uh, kidnapped and you know injured and killed down there, uh, 
Now it's right in his face. And now his administration has to kind of start answering some questions, some tough questions. And they're in the hot seat again. So we'll see if this motivates greater action. It's sad that it takes something like this to really get some kind of motivation going anywhere uh, in a town that is supposed to be taking care of of uh, our security, and uh, that is to say, those uh, those politicians uh, to take care of us nationally in terms of our security. You know, it's like, you know, what are we paying you for? It's a shame it took something like that to splatter on the, on the front pages of uh, news outlets everywhere to finally maybe knock some sense into the thick skulls in the White House to say, maybe you got a problem here, pal. Maybe the border and the whole... <laughs> That whole region is not as secure and wonderful as you think that it is. And we'll let you hear a clip, too, a, a joke of a clip from uh, Karina Spin Machine, Sean Pierre. Just a minute. Got to go to break. But this is, uh, I, I, think, I think now we've kind of reached that sort of critical mass moment. And how this begins to unfold over the next several weeks uh, is going to be very critical. And we'll see. We're going we're gonna to really start to see what the Biden administration is made of or not made of is a case. Maybe I think a lot of us already know, but it's now going to be put to the test. Is there any metal at all in that administration or is it just all balsa wood? Mixed with a lot of hot air. We got more Christian talk that rock straight ahead. Hang tight. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with the five loves of a Jesus freak. Write them down. Hide them in your heart. Here they are. Love God. Love his word. Love your enemies. Love your neighbor. Love truth. Sound easy? Not likely. If all that does come too easy for you, you're probably not working hard enough. On the other hand, these five loves should become second nature to any authentic Jesus freak. If you let God's grace soften your heart. One more time, love God, love his word, love your enemies, love your neighbor, love truth. Amen. Jesus Freaks Radio is brought to you by DC Talk, the voice of the martyrs, and this station. This is Truth Today. Today, Psalms 25. Show me your ways, O Yahweh. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. Remember, O Yahweh, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Yahweh. Good and upright is Yahweh. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way, the humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. This is what Psalms is talking about. Yahweh is love. Love is keeping the commandments, and mercy is loving kindness. It all fits. We have a loving God, Yahweh. This has been Truth Today. So 
So Corinne, the spin machine, Jean-Pierre, Corinne spin machine, she has um, caught some heat once again for the ridiculous stuff that she says or that she's told us, however you want to look at it. I think she's somewhat told us say this stuff, but it uh, nevertheless is ridiculous, no less ridiculous when it comes spilling across her lips. I don't know if she really thinks about this stuff before she says it sometimes. But she's uh, caught caught some major blowback here the past twenty four hours, and and should on a lot of social media and everywhere else. Uh, she's got she was scorched actually for commentary on cartel violence at the border. Completely out of touch. Well, of course we know this. White House spokesperson Kareen the Spin Machine Jean Pierre defended President Biden's efforts to secure the border and seize fentanyl in a historic way. Really. Being reported by Alexander Hall, Fox News, White House calls kidnapping deaths of Americans in Mexico unacceptable, of course. White House spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre was blasted on Tuesday for downplaying the chaos at the Mexican border, even as the nation reels from four Americans being kidnapped in Mexico. By the way, this is coming at a time where a lot of people are knowing, a lot of older Americans are knowing that their kids or maybe grandkids are going to be heading to spring break in Mexico here in literally in a couple days or so. And going, hmm, maybe not. And, and now the State Department's coming out giving all kinds of travel advisories and everything else. Well, duh. Should have been given those for a long time. As four Americans crossed from Brownsville, Texas, into the Mexican city of Matamoros, Tamaulipas, uh, on Friday, their vehicle began receiving gunfire. A video from the incident showed who were presumed to be Mexican drug cartel members loading the victims into a vehicle with two of them already appearing to have been dead or injured at the time of the attacks and by the attackers. They, were, they dragged their bodies. They were not thought to have been targets, but instead were initially just caught between rival gangs' crossfire. White House has since referred to this crime as unacceptable. Of course, I... <laughs> And I know what's probably passing through some of your minds, passed through mine. Well, this kind of stuff happens every day in Chicago. Is that also unacceptable? Are we going to also clamp down on the uh, gang activities and gang problems happening in some of our major cities like Chicago? Oh, no, we want to grab with guns. It's guns. Well, they're not saying that about Mexico, are they? They're not saying, oh, it's a gun. Mexico can't clamp down on its gun problem. Because it ain't a gun problem. It's a gang problem. It's a, it's a crime organization problem. Of course, again, these are more than, these, are, these guys are beyond just a simple crime organization. But, but interestingly enough, I would uh, contend that perhaps some, not all, but some of the gang violence that ends up as a gun violence, shall we say, in Chicago has roots south of the border. And how much you want to bet if we really start stomping on these cartels, some, not all, but some of the gang violence that we're seeing in this country starts to wane a little bit. It won't, it won't take care of all of it by any means because there's, you know, there's a lot of gangs here that have nothing to do with cartels and might even consider themselves rivals. But I would wager donuts to dollars that if we really crush the cartels in Mexico, you're going to see some of the nonsense here drop off a bit too. 
But we've got to go after them in both places. We can't just simply knock them out in Mexico and, and leave the tentacles here uh, completely intact. So this is going to have to be a cross-border thing. We're going to have to also not just crush the cartels in Mexico, but any associates, MS-13ers and whatever elsers that are floating around here on our side of the border, we've got to go after them too. This, ha- this will have to be a holistic approach to nab everybody. And it should have been going on years ago, frankly. I mean, this is kind of Johnny-come-lately now, to be honest. I mean, the bull is out of the barn. But we should have been working on this years ago, but I guess better late than never. So now, hopefully, lawmakers will get off, those oh, it's the guns, it's the guns, crap, and say, no, it's the gangs, it's the gangs. Guns are not jumping out of cabinets and, and out of cases and just jumping out of people's pockets and running down the street in Chicago shooting up the neighborhoods. That's not how that's working. Let me continue. Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey, of course, who else, addressed the, spokes, the spokeswoman at Tuesday's press briefing and asked, so cartels kill Americans on this side of the border with drugs, and now they're killing Americans on the other side of the border with guns. Why is President Biden so comfortable with cartels operating so close to the U.S.? Kareem the spin machine, Sean Pierre, responded by claiming that fentanyl is currently at historic lows, historic levels, under Biden's presidency. Because of the work that this president has done, because of what we've done specifically on fentanyl at the border, it's at historic lows, historic levels that we have been able to record a number of personnel working to secure the border, or to, or to a record number of personnel working on the border uh, to seize what we've been able to do, seizing that fentanyl, Kareem, the spin machine, Jean-Pierre said. We've done it in a historic way. That's because of what this president has done. I'm quoting that. I know that sounds a little disjointed. I'm quoting her. That's her words. Ducey followed by noting that now Americans are being slaughtered and asked, would President Biden be taking the same approach if it was Al-Qaeda or ISIS operating just across the border from the, an American city? Green the spin machine, Sean Pierre, responded by claiming that Biden takes the problem seriously and said the FBI and other agencies have been on top of this from day one. Yeah, right. Before dodging a question about whether the military should get involved against heavily armed cartels. Newsbusters managing editor Curtis Houck, who shared videos of the exchange, commented, yikes, as an assessment of Jean Pierre's uh, performance as a Biden administration's representative. She's a joke. I mean, she's uh, she's got to be one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, White House press secretary ever. I mean, ever. Uh, possible misspeak in no way is fentanyl at historic lows. Seizures and ODs have hit record highs. Fox National correspondent Bill Malugin tweeted, KJP appears to be implying that record high seizures are a good thing. It's a double-edged sword. Border officials will tell you they only catch a fraction of what's coming through. The seizures show cartels are pushing massive amounts of fentanyl across the border. CBP and BP do a great job stopping what they can, but fentanyl is all over the country right now, unquote. A general view, uh, I mean, it's just it, anyone with a general view, overview of what's going on knows that this thing is <laughs> is out of hand, way out of hand. Uh, shorter KJP, we simply don't care 
Claremont Institute Communications Director Nick Short wrote. Comedian and author Tim Young wrote a similar short assessment of the spokesperson's rhetoric. They think you're stupid. Heritage Foundation Senior Advisor for Communications John Cooper mocked Kareem the Spin Machine Jean-Pierre's words as fantasy land. Thinking and wrote, Kareem Jean-Pierre claims that record fentanyl seizures at the border means the fentanyl crisis is actually more under control. He also slammed her for referring to the border wall as a useless effort. These people are just completely out of touch with reality, he wrote. They've obviously never talked to Border Patrol agents who will tell you the wall is a necessary part of the toolkit, unquote. I'm trying to figure out which border she's referring to, journalist Dania, uh, Dania Alexandrino wrote. Anyway, on and on and on. Let me let you hear how she started this, uh, which telegraphed where they were going to go with this, started this little uh, conference out yesterday, let you hear the, the opening of it, and it kind of set the tone for the whole thing. And I'm going to key in on something that Kareem the Spin Machine Jean-Pierre said. You carefully listen to this now. Since day one of this administration, we have been focused on disrupting transnational criminal organizations, including Mexican drug cartels and human strugglers, smugglers, pardon me. In the past few months, President Biden signed an executive order giving the Department of Treasury expanded authorities to penalize cartel organizations and those who control or enable them. And we have imposed powerful new sanctions against cartel organizations in recent weeks. We remain committed to applying the full weight of our efforts and resources to counter them. Right now, our immediate concerns are for the safe return of our citizens, the health and well-being of those who, who survived this attack, and the support which must be rendered to the families of those who, who, do, who need it. As she reads in her little notebook. This, um, I'm just going to say it. This administration and most of its personnel are nothing short of a disgrace. It is flat-out amateur hour. It's amateur hour at the White House. I think a, a group of high schoolers, 10th graders, nothing against high schoolers, but I think a group of 10th, 11th, and 12th graders could do just as good, maybe better, <laughs> than what we're looking at in the White House. It, it's, it's beyond out-of-touch, gang. It's incompetence. It's rank incompetence. Rank incompetence is what we have reigning at the White House right now. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Completely out of touch. Completely out of touch. So again, I'm all for Lindsey and John Kenny and all of the lawmakers want to sign on this thing and say, yeah, they, these guys are terrible. Finally, good. But here is, again, the big question and the weak weak link in the chain. Will Biden execute it? Because he's the one that's got to execute. As commander-in-chief, if the military is involved, he's the one that's got to ultimately execute those plans. As commander-in-chief. Will he have the guts 
will he have the ability to do it? Will he even do it? Or will he just ignore it? Oh, that's just the GOP trying to ramp things up and play politics with all this nonsense. We'll, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what happens. But therein lies, it's not the total solution to everything, but therein lies a component of helping to secure our borders. It's not, it's not the silver bullet. No puns intended. This isn't a silver bullet thing that Lindsey Graham is is um, offering. There's still going to be a lot more done. A lot more done. Of course, now the White House is saying, well, okay, maybe the orange man was correct about a few things. Maybe we need to consider maybe the remain in Mexico and some of this other stuff and keeping the families together when they come across, blah, blah, blah. Detention centers. Now they're kind of starting to think a little differently. Now they're kind of starting to realize, okay, maybe some of the, the Trump era stuff wasn't so bad. Well, yeah, unless you just want pure open borders, which it seems like many of them do in this administration. They just want pure open borders. Take a break. Problem uh, is, though, problem is you cannot have a, uh, a sovereign country without sovereign borders. It just doesn't work. It's like you can have a Ferrari, but there's no wheels on it. Well, that's great. Nice, beautiful sports car. But good luck driving it somewhere. What's the point? screen cracked? Oh no! No problemo. Martinsville's premier store for all wireless repairs. Yes, it's Bono's Wireless. Certified technician for service on iPhone, Android, iPad, and tablets. Yes, all phones. Specializing in screen repairs. Bo has prepaid phones starting at $60 and unlimited prepaid services starting at just $30. They have carrier services on five different prepaid services from Verizon, Page Plus, Total Wireless, Net 10, and others. If you want your phone right, it's got to be done at Bo Knows Wireless. For repairs, buy, sell, and trade, it's Bo Knows Wireless. Stop in at 1620 Virginia Avenue across from Sports Lane in Martinsville. Call them at 638-6380. That's 638-6380. Bo knows wireless. Hi, I'm Danny Ilo. You may know me as an actor, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is my service to this country. In the Army, I saw firsthand how training and discipline instill a value that create great leadership abilities and a can-do spirit. Those same strong values stay with service members when they return to civilian life and enter the workplace. So remember the highest smart and bet on a vet. To learn more, call 888-44-SALUTE or visit saluteheroes.org. And I think it's fair to say that Biden's border crisis, if you want to call it that, has actually helped brought invasions of gang members and cartel affiliates because some of these people who are legally crossing the border are just that. They're cartel members and gang affiliates who are trying to set up outposts, if you will, here in this country. So the the lax border security is exacerbating this whole thing. Again, it's all connected. 
it seems like the administration and even some well-meaning politicians in uh, Washington, D.C. don't get this connection. They don't see that it's all the same line of dominoes that are tipping. This being reported by Peter LaBarbera. Biden border crisis bringing invasion of gang members and cartel affiliates into the U.S. Cartels are terrorists, and it's time we treated them that way. The unprecedented southern border crisis created by President Biden's lax policies on illegal immigration is causing a silent invasion of military-aged men working with Mexican cartels, says a sheriff of Kenny County, Texas, which abuts the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, Kenny County Sheriff Brad Coe told the online news site Center Square that the silent invasion is, in, is in fact, an act of war. It's against United States by the drug and human smuggling cartels. In September, Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott declared the cartel's terrorist organizations himself and is now urging the Biden administration and other state governments to do the same. Quote, cartels are terrorists, and it's time we treated them that way. In fact, more Americans died from fentanyl poisoning in the past year than all the terrorist attacks across the globe in the past 100 years, Abbott said. In order to save our country, particularly our next generation, we must do more to get fentanyl off our streets. Uh, a series of uh, um, border crises by Center Square highlights the beefed-up campaign by Texas law enforcement agencies to stop the flow of illegal and uh, of illegals and um, along the border. Uh, the um, silent invasion, Cole told the news site, is being committed primarily by single military-aged men between the ages of 17 and 45 who are illegally entering the U.S. They're wearing camouflage and carrying backpacks that, according to video captured by cameras placed throughout the county, many are armed and dangerous, committing robberies, engaging in shootouts with law enforcement, Coe said. See, a lot of this isn't being covered by your main stink media. They want you to think that it's just uh, you know, um, Hortense and her little baby Carlos and her husband Juan, and that that's all that's coming across. There's not these other elements that are in the in the mix. They don't want you to see that. They want you to think that it's all just poor families. No, it's not. And by eyewitnesses on the ground, they're saying that it's not. And yours truly has been telling you that it's not. That in some cases... You have these people ensconced in these groups coming across. And sometimes they're they're just dashing across while, while they're dealing with one big group that, you know, that is like what I described. Then there's a smaller group of guys that are in the camo and the guns and stuff and zipping across. Well, you know, you're wearing military uniformage or paramilitary uniformage and carrying weapons and you're coming illegally across our border. Kind of sounds like an invasion from where I'm sitting. Kind of sounds like an invasion. And I've shared with you in the Constitution, if if the the uh, the federal government won't do something to protect the state's sovereignty and its borders and so forth from military invasion, then the state has the right to protect itself militarily. What needs to be happening, and I'm, what I'm going to say is very harsh, but it's the truth. What needs to be happening, really, is that if, our, if, if the Texas National Guard, and maybe they have orders to do this, I don't know, but if the Texas National Guard sees these guys, these young men coming over in camo, you know, a, a squad of these guys, 5, 10, 15, 20 of them, zipping across the border, which apparently uh, Sheriff Coe has video of, they come zipping across the border, guns blazing, well, the National Guard needs to blow them away. 
They need to be shot dead in their tracks. Those are, that's an invasion, para, invading paramilitary force. Maybe a relatively small one, but it, it is one. And, and the National Guard needs to be taking these people out. Now, I don't know what kind of orders Abbott's got these people under, maybe to play, play cop, which veers into violating uh, posse comitatus. I don't know. He also has the authority to call out the Texas National Guard. I mean, the uh, I'm sorry, the Texas militia, rather, to aid and assist the National Guard. He has he has the authority to call out both. I think maybe he needs to do that. And there is a Texas militia. And they've got a lot of members. Call them out and say, when you see guys like this, not men, not innocent men, women and children, so to speak. But when you see these young men coming across in the camo and they're waving and they got guns or taking pot shots, blow them away. That'll help stop that. But that is an act of war. We've got to start calling pigs pigs. We can't keep playing political games with what's going on at our borders, costing too many lives. Again, it's sad to see that this maybe is kind of throwing some hot water in some people's face or cold water, excuse me, in people's face, kind of wake them up is what's going on here. Shake people into some kind of reality of what's happening in our border. Um, but And, and on, on both sides, frankly. And these organizations are making money off the chaos. These cartels. And, and it's past time, frankly, way past time, uh, that we need to be dealing with these people as terrorist organizations. But then you've got, <laughs> we're sort of fighting against ourselves because then you got this. Biden's DHS is funneling $350 million bucks to illegal aliens released into U.S. communities. $350 million, $350 million bucks. Uh, being reported by John Bender, Breitbart.com. President Joe Biden's Department of Homeland and Security, DHS, is funneling hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money to border crossers and illegal aliens directly released into American communities after arriving at the United States-Mexico border. How nice. How nice. You want to make some extra money? Because eggs are costing too much? You want a side gig? Well, I guess if you live somewhere in the Southwest, cross the border, then sneak back in, have no ID, have nothing, you know, wear some old clothes, roll around the dirt a little bit, come back in, say, me no ingly, me no ingly, you'll make some money. Um, th- this, uh, this past week, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced that the agency would be spending 350, some 350 million bucks on the emergency food and shelter program specifically to fund support services for border crossers and illegal aliens arriving in various U.S. towns and cities. Now, we're killing the food stamps, the EBT program. We're cutting, we're cutting those amounts in, in half and even more for many Americans because pandemic's over. And now that there are families that depend upon that uh, supplemental EBT stuff, they're not going to food pantries. And, uh, uh, churches and church-run food pantries to get the extra food. But if you come across the border illegally, oh, we've got plenty of food for you. 
We have Americans struggling to pay for groceries. But if you come across the border illegally, hey, we got you covered. We've got plenty of food for you. You're good to go. Do you see a double standard here? New Yorker said with today's funding of 350, well, he probably said it like this, with today's funding of $350 million for the Emergency Food and Shelter Program, DHS is delivering on our commitment to provide needed support to communities across the country that receive non-citizens, not illegal aliens, non-citizens who are in immigration enforcement proceedings. See, that's the politically correct way to say illegal immigrant. Because you can't say that now. It's bad. Oh, that's racist to call them illegal immigrants. They're not illegal people. People are people. They're not. There's no such thing as an illegal person. Okay. Keep telling yourself that. More Christian talk through rock straight ahead. Move to the second hour. Stick around. It's time for a laugh. This is the Family Comedy Minute with your daily dose of comedy, safe for the entire family. Now here's comedian David P. Dean. And how many of you parents have ever heard this from your kids? Mommy, Dad, you're weird. You're strange. Have you heard that from your teenage daughter? You're weird. We have a 17-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter. We have Alex and Hannah. That's Hannah's big line. You're weird. You're strange. And then how does she greet her friends? for church going up to the pastor. Great sermon. Ah, no. I'm Tim DeTellis, and you've been listening to the Family Comedy Minute, a positive boost for your day. Visit us online at familycomedyradio.com. Needing a tuxedo? Why rent when you can buy one at only $89.99 at Suit City? Suit City has tuxedos, Steve Harvey suits, and blazers. And suits starting at $39.99. Shoes starting at $19.99. With brands such as Stacy Adams and more. At Suit City, we have all your accessories, hats, ties, and a wide variety to suit your needs. On any occasion, Suit City will have you looking your best. Suit City has pastor robes, men's suits, and dress suits, blazers, plus men's shirts. Why rent a tuxedo when you can buy at Suit City at only $89.99? Visit our website at SuitCityUSA.com. That's SuitCityUSA.com. SuitCityUSA.com. Look your best with tuxedos and suits at Suit City with stores in Collinsville, Danville, and Roanoke. Hi, I'm Danny Ilo. You may know me as an actor, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is my service to this country. In the Army, I saw firsthand how training and discipline instill a values that create great leadership abilities and a can-do spirit. Those same strong values stay with service members when they return to civilian life and enter the workplace. So remember the highest smart and bet on a vet. To learn more, call 888-44-SALUTE or visit saluteheroes.org. Everybody online looking good. I'm kind of in the mood for some stimulating conversation. Start sequence. Five, four, 
Discussion now. Lines are open. And now here's your host, Richie L. You are listening to the second hour of Christian Talk That Rocks. Got a couple of websites for you, ChristianTalkThatRocks.net or ChristianTalkThatRocks.com. The live under email address is TalkToRichieL at gmail.com, T-A-L-K-T-O-R-I-C-H-I-E-L at gmail.com. Uh, several ways to get this uh, broadcast in podcast format and location. Here's just a handful. Launchpad 1, Anchor FM, Player FM. Uh, let's see. Deezer, Amazon, CastBox, MixerBox, Radio.net, just to name a few. Flagship station WMVA, The Gold Rush, which rebroadcasts Friday's show, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find them at WMVRadio.com, Radio.net, Odyssey.com. Newest affiliate, NetNews Network and NetNewsNetwork.net, which makes available select episodes of this show for you to download at your leisure and pleasure at that website. And by the way, they are generally speaking a news website, a real true journalism website, which is rare these days. Also being streamed live by Thunderous Radio, which can be found at streamiter.com, radio.net, are mytuner.com. You can also locate them at Zeno.fm. In fact, the links to Thunderous Radio at Zeno are there at both ChristianTalkThatRocks.net and ChristianTalkThatRocks.com. By the way, there will be no show tomorrow, but I will be back in the saddle on Friday. Also next week, Monday and Tuesday, there will be no show. I will be out of town. The Mrs. Ellis having a medical procedure. And that'll sort of knock me out of the saddle on that. So uh, next week, no shows. No, or that, or that, those two days, I should say, not the whole week. But those two days, no shows. Those two days. That will be Monday and Tuesday of next week, the 13th and the 14th of March, respectively. No shows, because we will be out of town. All right? Uh, and she's going to have a, uh, a specific procedure done. We'll go into details, but if you would uh, please pray for it. It's very serious. And we're hoping ultimately in the end for some fairly good news. But we are prepared for the worst if we, if uh, that's what we get. But uh, we're praying that the Lord's will be done, whatever it is, and uh, that she will come out of it and will be the better for it. And uh, some good news will happen. Jim Jordan is saying that, uh, well, he's speaking out about the Federal Trade Commission investigation into Elon Musk, and this finally hit the fan, so to speak. It's been going on for some time, and Elon's been a little, well, he's kind of tossed some hints out there about it, but a little more closed mouth until recently. About the Federal Trade Commission is investigating Musk and Twitter, and, and he's saying it's egregious, and it's attack on the First Amendment being reported by Jeff Poor of Breitbart.com. Tuesday during an appearance at FNC, uh, FNC's Hannity, Representative Jen Jordan, uh, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, blasted the Federal Trade Commission for its investigation of Elon Musk and Twitter. Uh, the Ohio Republican lawmaker suggested that the Federal Trade Commission was engaging in behavior that could violate the First Amendment. And let me let you hear a portion of this exchange. Now, just for a little background, the Federal Trade Commission wants... Uh, internal memos, actually going back to before Elon Musk got in the saddle, 
but he wants, but the uh, the Trade Commission wants Elon Musk to cough up all internal memos and wants to know the specific names of journalists who were given access to or sent uh, these Twitter files. Why? And for what purpose do they want that? That seems really weird. What's the point? Now, we know some of the names, like Matt Taibbi and some others, but why does he want the name of all the journalists? Well, I mean, what does the Federal Trade Commission need the names of all the journalists that were sent these Twitter files? So what? Who cares? What does that have to do with anything? Why does the Federal Trade Commission want those? What does that have to do with their purview of their mission of their, of their uh, little bureaucratic uh, organization? What does that have to do with trade? It's a First Amendment issue. But you see, as I keep saying, the First Amendment is under attack because these folks know that if they can clobber the First Amendment, because that's the linchpin upon which all the rest of the amendments really hang, if you think about it, if they can start eroding those five liberties contained within the First Amendment, if they can get that down to where you need a pretty much a permission slip from the government to even exercise it, then you're no longer a citizen, but you're a subject to a bunch of miniature monarchs. All right, those are God-given rights. You don't have to register those rights with the federal government. Those are God-given rights. You, if you have to get a permission slip from the government to exercise your rights, and guess what, gang? They aren't rights, are they? They're privileges at that point. They're not rights. It's, called, it's not called the Bill of Privileges. It's called the Bill of Rights. And those rights our founding fathers declared do not come from government. Our Declaration of Independence says, We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. By who? Our Creator, not the government, not the king, not some bureaucrat that you've got to go groveling to, to exercise your rights or get some permission slip from to exercise your rights. Because those are no longer rights. At that point, they're privileges. But the First Amendment is your right. If you are a law-abiding citizen, you have those rights bestowed upon you as a citizen. They're yours. They're not bestowed upon you by government. They're bestowed upon you by God. Those are your rights. Okay, that's what our founding fathers held. But apparently there are bureaucrats that think, no, you don't get to exercise those rights. We give you permission when you will exercise those rights. Let me let you hear this exchange. Well, it's it's just uh, not so much an exchange. It's actually just Jim Jordan. I cut out, uh, for copyright reasons, I cut out uh, Hannity. But I'm going to let you hear the uh, uh, Jim Jordan. And it's pretty succinct. I mean, you don't really need to hear Hannity, but... Uh, in, in his responses to Hannity, you'll hear what Jim Jordan um, had to say about all this and, and why he's kind of uh, opened up a bit of an investigation here as to what's been going on. There was a FOIA request, too, on some of this stuff as to uh, why this whole darn thing was happening anyhow. What the Federal Trade Commission was doing, poking around on that aspect of it. Now, that, and again, what does that have to do with, with a trade issue, a violation of some sort of uh, an American trade issue or a buyout or something who cares 
who the journalists were. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China, you know? Well, the FTC called up, uh, sent letters to a private company and asked them, what journalists, who in the press are you talking to? Now, think about that, Sean. This may be the most egregious threat to the First Amendment I've ever seen. They, and this, this harassment of Twitter started when Elon Musk bought the company. I think 12 different letters they sent in a span of like two months. But the most egregious part, in my judgment, was the idea that they're going after journalists. And they even named personally some journalists in there who were part of the Twitter files. Two of those individuals named, by the way, are going to be testifying Probably in front of our committee on Thursday. So when you're saying, what, what, what happened to Jim Baker is one of the questions they ask Elon Musk. Who are these we journalists that you're giving access to information? These are the four names we know. Who else have you talked to? What have you told these journalists? I, I don't know that I've ever seen this kind of attack on First Amendment freedom of the press like we see in what the FTC is doing. They're so out to restrict First Amendment free speech rights and freedom of the press. They want to know every single communication Elon Musk has had, who he's communicated with, who's communicated with him, who's talked about him, and they want to go after the press. I mean, this is, if this isn't the weaponization of government, Sean, I don't know what is. Yeah. Remember, Sean, the FBI told Twitter to block certain speech. Now the FTC comes in and said, who were the journalists you were talking to about the speech the FBI told you to block? That is crazy, but that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. And this is, again, a big bro, the government, federal government, getting uh, into a territory that's not theirs to get into. You have to understand something about the Bill of Rights, gang. It is a wall between you and the federal government. And as long as you are a law-abiding citizen, those are your rights to exercise freely and lawfully. They are your rights. I mean, yeah, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater unless, of course, there is one. But they're your rights, and they cannot be taken away, by the way, or infringed upon without due process. In fact... In the First Amendment, it says, shall not be abridged. Shall not be abridged. But there are state government agencies, federal government agencies, and bureaucrats that think they can limit your freedom of speech beyond just, you know, defamation and inciting riots and things of that nature. But they think they can really go deep in there and pretty much just shut you down if, if you're saying something they don't particularly like or they think it's hate speech, whatever that definition is, or they think it's mis or disinformation. And there's no mis or disinformation clause or hate speech clause in the First Amendment. In fact, don't forget that a few years back, the, the uh, Supreme Court said, look, there is, no, there is no hate speech clause in the First Amendment. All right? If you get your feelings hurt, you get your feelings hurt. There's no hurt feelings clause in the First Amendment. In fact, the First Amendment was designed to protect speech that some might think is hateful or hurtful or even mis- or disinformation. It's to protect speech you may not like, not to protect the speech that you're for. It's to protect the speech that you may not be for. It's, it's like the old saying, I might disagree with what you're saying and doing, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say and do it. You know, I mean, uh, this, is, this is why the KKK is allowed and the, the American Nazi Party are allowed to have their little... Uh, I don't know, whatever racist day parade down Main, down Main Street or up to the courthouse or the, uh, the state house, they have a right to do that without being molested. Now, you have a right to also stand on the sidewalk and call them names and, and wave your own signs and say, you guys are idiots. Uh, that's your first, first Amendment right, too. 
but they have a First Amendment right to put on their little goofy outfits and, uh, you know, march up the street with their signs and do their stupid stuff, at, you know, when they get to the courthouse step and say they're ridiculous stuff. And I have a right to get on my little podcast and say they're ridiculous. That's called the First Amendment. And our founders wanted a free exchange of uh, speech and ideas because they knew that eventually um, the, the the truthful ideas and, and the the ideas the ideas that were the most beneficial to society would creep up to the top. They'd float to the, eventually float to the top. You know, cream comes up to the top. So they wanted that. Um, they spoke out against uh, an overbearing, overarching British government. And it wasn't just a king. It was also parliament. Remember, they didn't just rebel against a monarch. They rebelled against a somewhat representative form of government. They also rebelled against parliament and their and the court system that they were under. It wasn't just simply King George. King George actually had fairly limited power at that time. He had more. He had the, the, the monarchy had more power than it does now, for sure. But he was still somewhat strapped, and Parliament still probably, arguably, held some of the greater uh, uh, trove of power. Arguably, so did the courts. So they were fighting against an entire corrupt government system, of which they had little to no representation in, but they were being exploited, and they were sick and tired of it. And they said, you know, enough's enough. And of course. Uh, that generation, our founder's generation, revolted, thank God. And one of the things that they first clamped down on, the two first, the two things they clamped down on was freedom of speech, freedom to assemble. They were banning assemblies. They were banning speech. They were, they were uh, uh, taking uh, they were invading newspaper places and press places and book places and tearing up their presses and confiscating their presses and arresting everybody they were printing out pamphlets and flyers and papers and books and so forth and trashing their presses and then they went and grabbed their tried to grab their guns that's what was going on on lexington green the shot heard around the world they came there to grab the guns so our founders you know they'd seen all this before it's like they you know we've been down this road before so we're not going to set up an, another scenario that could play out just like it did in our in our lifetime. We don't want to, we don't want that to happen for future generations. So they put together this Bill of Rights that said, and which in essence says, "Government, you may come this far, and thus and thus far no more." So the so our Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, is a wall along with all the rest of them between you and the government that says you may not cross this line. This is a line upon which you shall not and may not cross. At least not without due process. And, uh, and of course, the burden of proof of guilt or whatever is on the on the government, not the other way around. Of course, <laughs> make that argument with the IRS next time they try to audit you, right? You're presumed guilty until you, pres- until you prove yourself innocent. We got a little uh, whining from Chuck Schumer about what's going on with Tucker Carlson and Fox News. Speaking of censorship, back with more. More talk continues next with Richie L. More Christian talk that rocks next. This is Max McLean. God created all things by his word. How does the word have the power to create? Because his word is a person. 
Listen to the Bible from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. From John 1, listen to the Bible. It's great for the soul. Hear more at radiobible.org. The views expressed on this talk show may not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates, associates, providers, sponsors, or underwriters. So there. Now here's your host, Richie L. Chuck Schumer's got his knickers in a knot because uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy has basically declassified and allowed, not declassified so much, but has said, look, let's, let's get all the Capitol Hill footage together of what happened that day, all the camera footage of what happened that day on January 6th. Let's release it and let the people decide what they think happened. Was it, it was it just simply a bunch of yahoos acting reprehensibly and like idiots, or was this a real insur- you know a real real insurrection? You know, are there are people showing up with tons of rifles and cannons and bayonets and slaughtering um, slaughtering uh, workers there in the Capitol and politicians and 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 the Capitol cops or just a bunch of buffoons running around in crazy outfits and acting ridiculous. You decide. Not to excuse what happened on January 6th. It was idiotic. It was it was reprehensible, in my opinion, and I stand by that. But to call it an insert, you know, to compare it to like the War of 1812, okay, when they burned down, you know, the British Army actually burned down a bunch of stuff. Some of you may not be aware of it, but you know that back in 1954, I believe it was, there was a couple of three uh, um, Puerto Rican nationalists, if you will, that wanted to see Puerto Rico become its own country and break away from the U.S. They stormed into the, um, it was, I mean, there was an active session going on, stormed in to uh, the legislative hall there at the House of Representatives with guns loaded and shot five, shot five congressmen. That happened in 1954. You can look it up. I did. And I would say that that uh, that was way worse than what happened on January 6th, by comparison. The only two people that died as a direct result of what happened on January 6th, in spite of what the mainstream media is telling you, was two women, unarmed, by the way. One was a 60-some-odd-year-old grandmother who was succumbing to... Um, some tear gas and fumes and, and so forth. It was laying on the ground, uh, dying. And, uh, a DC cop, a lady cop took her baton out and started beating the tar out of her and beat her and beat her so hard that the baton broke. The other person that was killed was of course the, uh, un- unarmed, um, air force 
a veteran, a woman, she was shot by a Capitol policeman who fired into a crowd, by the way. And it's interesting to note the other Capitol police, how they reacted. They didn't know where the shots were coming from. They were in like riot gear. Everybody was ducking. And somebody yelling, shots fired, shots fired. It was a, it was a, a, a plainclothes Capitol policeman that whipped out his gun and shot her. And, and, and basically shot into a crowd, which is you don't normally do. That's, that's not police training. But anyway, so Chucky Schumer, uh, as Andy uh, likes to call him, I'll call him up Chuck Schumer, with little granny glasses on the tip of his nose. Uh, to Fox News, said, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of January 6th video footage. Why? What are you afraid of? It's being boarded by Wendell Hughes, Breitbart.com. In fact, uh, Chuck Schumer who's a Democrat from the way of York, stated Tuesday that Fox News should prevent Tucker Carlson from airing more January 6th video footage of lies. How is the footage of lies if it's actual footage? I don't know. Uh, Tuesday evening, Carlson released some of the footage Monday that alleged uh, some Democrats' new Capitol Police officer, Brian uh, Sicknick, had not been murdered during the riot, but instead the, the, but misled the public about the, his death which is true. His own brother said that he wasn't killed by being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. He had a stroke. And in fact, the coroner's report shows no contusions on his body of any significance. And the brother even said that you know, he called him later that evening to see how he was doing and you know, said he was kind of tired and had a headache. Well, a couple hours later, he was dead with a stroke. He died from he died from natural causes, if you will, not from being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. That was a myth, and and mainstream media ran with it. All of them, including Fox News, ran with it, and, and he was not killed by the rioters. Um, Carlson released the footage Monday that alleged Democrats' new Capitol Police officer, Brian Sicknick, had not been murdered during the riot but misled the public about his death and that Ray Epps lied to the committee about when he left the Capitol grounds. And who is this Ray Epps guy, by the way? He keeps popping up. Kind of a weirdo. In addition, Carlson allegedly debunked the January 6th committee's claim that Senator Josh Hawley had run away from the Capitol in fear. It also showed police escorting uh, shaman Jacob Chansley inside the Capitol. Now, Schumer speaking on the Senate floor was alarmed by the recently disclosed footage and more to more will be released Tuesday evening by Carlson. Schumer said, uh, I said so many others who were here are just furious with Tucker Carlson with disregard to the risk of knowing full well, he was lying, lying to his audience. Well, how's he lying? If he's just showing footage, how's that lying? Um, Fox News host uh, Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment uh, Monday night arguing that the January 6th Capitol attack was not violent. Insurrection, same thing last night. Uh, let me let you hear some of what uh, Chuck Schumer said. I mean, uh, what is he afraid of? It's just footage. People can draw their own conclusions. I mean, turn the sound off and just watch the footage. And, and draw your own conclusions of what you think is going on. Uh, I mean, that is, I mean, what's wrong with that? Why is that wrong? Why is that bad to see the footage of, the, of what went down rather than just edited news clips? What's wrong with seeing all of it? 
to get everything in full context and people let people come to their own conclusions. You know, the video will speak for itself. The video is not going to lie unless it's edited some kind of way. And I don't know if there's evidence that Tucker Carlson and his uh, gang are editing the video. If they are, that's bad. I mean, if they're editing it to make it look like it's something that it's not, then that's bad. Yeah. And that's bad journalism. And I'll be one of the first ones to slap Tucker Carlson down, rhetorically speaking, um, for something like that. I don't know if that's what's happening. And frankly, I haven't watched Tucker Carlson the last couple of nights. I have no idea. I mean, I don't know what he's playing. If he's playing hyper-edited video that's, that's being made to strung together to make it look like something that it's not, then that's, that's bad journalism. But if he's just playing unedited clips in proper context, then what's the problem? What's the big whoopee do? If anything, it should bolster uh, the conclusions about January 6th that the committee came up with. Theoretically, but if they came up with something that was bogus, then I guess it won't. I mean, but again, let people judge for themselves. What's the problem? But apparently Chuck doesn't, Chuck doesn't want you judging for yourself. You're too stupid. You need to just have the narrative that's been handed to you by him and others in Washington is what really went down. Because if you see the actual footage unedited, then you might draw a different conclusion than they did. Cause you're just too stupid to figure things out. I think that's what it's all about. But then there's the case that he's making to, I mean, here's a sitting lawmaker, a sitting very high ranking, very, very high ranking, not too far away from the presidency, actually high ranking government official telling a news organization to shut one of their uh, guys down. Well, that's censorship, but he, see, he's another one that doesn't care about the first amendment, the constitution. He thinks he knows better than you. And it's his right to tell, to order Fox news to shut down somebody that he doesn't agree with. Well, tough tootie pal. And may your granny glasses slide off your nose, is what I would tell him. Let me let you hear him. Here's Grandpa Chuck. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie. A lie, pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. And he's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. And Speaker McCarthy is every bit as culpable as Mr. Carlson. Speaker McCarthy's decision to share security footage with Fox looked like a mistake from the very beginning. But after last night, it looks like a disaster. Why? How? Because something doesn't fit your narrative or your party's version of the narrative against Orange Man because you hate Orange Man so much. Let's let's get to the root. Let's cut to the chase. Uh. Granny Schumer, it's not just that Granny Schumer hates McCarthy and Tucker and Fox News. I'm sure he hates all three of them. It's not that he hates those folks. It's that he really, really hates the orange man. And you see, the whole purpose of January 6th was to pin pin all of this on orange man so that there is no way he, 
he could potentially run again and beat somebody whose brain cells are not firing together properly because of whatever is going on inside poor Joe Biden's head in terms of his brain, whatever the the ailment is he's suffering from. I don't know if it's Alzheimer's. kind of looks like it to me, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's just good old-fashioned senility. I don't know if it's some sort of dementia. I don't know if it's a reaction to medications. I don't know what it is. Doctors won't tell us. Nobody will tell us. I don't know. You don't know. We can only speculate. But uh, Granny Schumer knows darn good and well that there's a good possibility, and the polls are showing as much, that if it's a matchup again between Uncle Joe Biden and the Orange Man, Orange Man has a pretty good shot of winning. That's what's really got Granny Schumer uh, been up. That's really what's what's sticking in his craw. Because this might have people thinking, well, wait a minute. Yeah, this was sort of ridiculous, but it wasn't as bad as we've been told it was, maybe. See, they, they pinned the whole thing. The whole purpose of the January 6th commission was ultimately to pin what went down on, on Orange Man in such a way as to disqualify him, or at least put doubt in people's minds that if that if he runs against Joe Biden in 2024 and you vote for him, you're voting for an insurrectionist and you're just as bad as he is and you're an insurrectionist too. That's the narrative. And they're scared to death that something might, might undermine that particular narrative, that it might not stick quite as well as they hoped that it would because they're scared to death of the guy. This is fear. This is nothing but pure fear. Now, now, if you've listened to this show any amount of time, I'm absolutely no apologist for Donald Trump. I think he's a megalomaniac. I think he's a big mouth. I think he shoots off at the mouth. He thinks he's the most, if he walks into a room, he's the most important person in the room. All you have to do is ask him. <laughs> he's the greatest person in the room. All you got to do is ask him. <laughs> but, of course, we've had many megalomaniacs as presidents before. He wouldn't be the first. He won't be the last. I promise you that. But this is what they're scared to death of. They are horrified. That's what's behind all this bluster and fluster from Granny Schumer. And old bubbling Mitch McConnell's just sitting on the sidelines grinning. I mean, my gosh, it's... It's a clown show, is it not? In our in our Senate and in our halls of of legislation, it, it's it's if it weren't so sad, it'd be hysterical. Hi, I'm Danny Ilo. You may know me as an actor, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is my service to this country. In the Army, I saw firsthand how training and discipline instill a values that create great leadership abilities and a can-do spirit. Those same strong values stay with service members when they return to civilian life and enter the workplace. So remember the highest smart and bet on a vet. To learn more, call 888-44-SALUTE or visit saluteheroes.org. Needing a tuxedo? Why rent when you can buy one at only $89.99 at Suit City? Suit City has tuxedos, Steve Harvey suits, and blazers. 
And suits starting at $39.99. Shoes starting at $19.99. With brands such as Stacy Adams and more. At Suit City, we have all your accessories, hats, ties, and a wide variety to suit your needs. On any occasion, Suit City will have you looking your best. Suit City has pasta robes, men's suits, and dress suits, blazers, plus men's shirts. Why rent a tuxedo when you can buy at Suit City at only $89.99? Visit our website at SuitCityUSA.com. That's SuitCityUSA.com. SuitCityUSA.com. Look your best with tuxedos and suits at Suit City with stores in Collinsville, Danville, and Roanoke. So the uh, continuing on with more uh, shenanigans from uh, bureaucracies and bureaucrats and politicians. Being reported by Courtney Wheel, theblaze.com, FBI specifically targeted pro-lifers after overturned whistleblower claims. Shared part of this the other day, I think it was last week or week before, to check archives. But a whistleblower has testified before some members of Congress already that the FBI specifically targeted pro-lifers in crisis pregnancy centers after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer. On February the 10th, FBI Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle of the Wichita uh, Resident Agency in the Kansas City Field Office testified before the House Select Subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government chaired by Representative Jim Jordan. During his testimony, O'Boyle alleged that while the agency initially created the tag threat uh, threats to SCOTUS 2022 to investigate threats against Supreme Court justices, the fallout of Dobbs, that tag eventually devolved into a means of targeting actually pro-lifers. Now, you may recall, just as a little backdrop to this, that there were protesters, James Revenge and a bunch of others, that were protesting um outside and in some cases in the yards of uh, about a half a dozen of, and mostly the conservative ones, if you will, uh, Supreme Court justices' homes, which, by the way, is a violation of federal law. Well, they didn't do much about it. There were very few arrests made. He went on to say that when this threat tag came out, it was like, why are you focusing on pro-life people, O'Boyle told the panel. It's pro-choice people who are the ones protesting on uh, or otherwise threatening violence in front of the Supreme Court justices' houses. O'Boyle also claimed that he was pressured to to ask a source who happened to be pro-life about various threats against SCOTUS. I was like, why would this person know about those threats? He's pro-life. O'Boyle said, adding like he's not the one going and threatening the Supreme Court justices. They don't want you to see. They, they, he said they didn't. They, this was how they were they were acting into what they were telling him to do. Now, he was asked whether he believes that the FBI had politicized actually the threat tags. O'Boyle responded unequivocally, I do. Now, the FBI denied O'Boyle's allegations in the statement, of course. We will rigorously pursue investigations of any threat or use of violence committed by someone who uses extremist views to justify their actions, regardless of the motivation or what side of an issue that a person is on. We do not conduct investigations based on a person's political or social views, the statement said. But how many of those folks did you see arrested? They were protesting outside the Supreme Court. The the proof's in the pudding. Other than the guy that was... uh, 
that had the duffel bag with the the plastic ties and duct tape and a gun and whatever else that wanted to bust in to um, Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh's house and do things to his wife and his kids. Um, other than that guy, who did the FBI arrest? Who has the FBI arrested? And of all the Jane's Revenge people and other people who were firebombing and vandalizing these crisis pregnancy centers, I've only heard of just one or two arrests. Out of all those incidents in all those states, I don't think it was the same one or two people doing it all over the place, who was arrested? Almost no one. Very, you count them on one hand the number of people that were arrested. Of the hundreds and thousands that were protesting and doing shenanigans. So what does that tell you? Nick sit there and make statements all day long. The proof's in the pudding. They did little, little to nothing. So Chris Reagan sit there and work his mouth all day long. And uh, his department can release all kinds of statements. Um, he went on to say that any assertion that the FBI manipulates uh, statistics on domestic terrorism cases is categorically false. Well, apparently you did there. Statement continued, adding elsewhere, we follow the facts of each case and will never open an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity. Yeah, right. First Amendment protected activity? Then why did you lean in on Twitter to say, hey, you know, this Hunter Biden laptop, or, or Facebook too, hey, this Hunter Biden laptop thing, you're going to hear this Russian information junk about us, that's bogus. Well, they knew that was a lie. Chris Raid sat there in a lied ball face to Brett Bear, Brett the Bear from Fox News. I wish Brett would have gone in on him a little harder than he did, but I guess he didn't want to be... <laughs> He was afraid he might be audited by the IRS and invest, investigated by the FBI himself. In addition, allegations of the agency bias, O'Boyle claimed that the FBI was deliberately breaking up cases into several different cases to pad its stats regarding domestic terrorism. Quote, well, really, I was working on one case, but the FBI can then say, well, he actually had four, and so we need you to give us more money because look at how big of a threat all this domestic terrorism is, he said. O'Boyle then indicated that the agency had retaliated against him and by, by the way, in violation of the Federal Whistleblowers Act, against him for voicing his concerns publicly, claiming that he had been suspended by the FBI and then prevented from collecting his belongings from a Virginia storage facility after he spoke out. Uh, he said that he had to spend ten grand to reclaim those items. By the way, again, a violation of the Federal Whistleblowers Act. The FBI was being weaponized against agents or anybody who wanted to step forward and talk about malfeasance inside the agency prior to this, he asserted. The FBI's statement, however, denied that the agency has punished any individuals who make protected whistleblower disclosures. Of course, yeah, whatever. We're hearing too much just the opposite. Too much is just the opposite of that nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a pause. There is an all-out attack on the First Amendment. And it's coming from those in charge. By the way, what else is contained in your First Amendment? What else is in there besides freedom of speech? Oh, yeah, freedom of religion. You see, you Christians just won't bow the knee and lick the boot. We can't have that. Thank you. 
we just can't have that. We are to be God. Not your uh, hairy-faced Jesus. We're your Savior. That's the government's attitude right about now. Let's take a pause. Are there some things about your life that you wish were different? Actually, it's not too late for a change. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. I would like to give you at this moment the opportunity of changing the direction of your life, the eternal destiny of your life, and the condition of your life. And here's how you can do that. You can recognize honestly that you're a sinner that you've sinned against God, and that you don't deserve anything. So the invitation is this, to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and acknowledge that you've never trusted him as your Savior. You've tried to do good, but the Bible states that that doesn't work. He says, by works of righteousness which you've done, no person's ever been saved. I want to invite you to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Asking him to forgive you of your sins, surrendering yourself to him personally, and saying, Lord, I want you in my life. I want you to live your life in and through me. I need the forgiveness of my sins. I do want to go to heaven when I die, but I want my life to count now. And most of all, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Learn more about how Jesus Christ can change the course of your life. Visit us at intouch.org. So a uh, soccer dad or daddy bear, if you will, uh, has sued. Dad sues a school district over public records requests that ended with the police actually being called. It's being reported by Reagan Reese, Daily Caller News Foundation. Uh, Sean McBearity. A main father and parental rights activist filed a lawsuit against the school district that allegedly limited his time with documents he requested through a public records request, FOIA request of sorts, calling the uh, police when he refuses to agree. McBarity filed a request to access superintendent training uh, training materials and communications regarding the school's Gay Straight Alliance Club a national LGBTQ, <clears throat> pardon me, student-led group, and was allegedly only given timed in-person access to the training manuals. Okay, you got about just five seconds to look at them, and you got to leave. It's a total lack of transparency, which is really the issue. We're already paying taxes, and I don't live in uh, Harriman, but I'm a, a state and federal taxpayer, so I'm still paying to indoctrinate those kids. McBrady told the Daily Caller News Foundation. A Marine father and parental rights activist, he's uh, suing the district that allegedly withheld the documents apart from public records request, calling the police shortly after he showed up to review the materials. He filed a lawsuit on Friday against Harriman School, uh, uh, School District after the administration allegedly failed to give him complete access to the superintendent training materials and communications regarding the school's uh, gay-straight alliance. Now, Superintendent Micah Grant originally granted uh, McBarity 
uh, an opportunity to review only the training materials in person, but then allegedly cut the time short and called the police on McBarity when he refused to agree to his new terms. They called 911, McBarity told the Daily Caller News Foundation. It's a total lack of transparency, which is really the issue. We're already paying the taxes. From uh, November 2022 to January 2023, McBarity filed three main Freedom of Access Act requests, or FOAAs, including one for superintendent training materials provided through Drummond Woodsum, a law firm which allegedly included presentations such as avoiding disaster in court, <laughs> apparently it's already happened, uh, the lawsuit stated McBurdy also requested information over a two-month period pertaining to Herman School board member Chris McLaughlin, the owner of Inspired Consulting Group LLC, a group which allegedly provides LGBTQ training to school districts across the state. Um, now, McBurdy also requested a two-month period of communications between Herman librarians Kara Schwartz and Brittany McAllister in relation to the school's GSA club, the lawsuit stated. The librarians allegedly helped create an a LGBTQ library display within the high school featuring 40 transgender books funded by the Maine Education Association, or the MEA, a statewide teachers' union. In response to this, his request, McBarity received McLaughlin's emails but was required to pay for the librarians' communications before having a timed chance to review them which under Maine law is required before ch uh, charging uh, the individual who requested the documents, the lawsuit alleged. As for the superintendent training materials, Grant allegedly invited McBarity to the school district to take notes on the documents, citing copyright concerns, so McBarity requested to take photos or be given his own copy. Grant allegedly called the police to escort McBarity out of the school after he asked him to leave less than an hour into reviewing the documents, saying that his allotted time was up, the lawsuit alleged. McBarity exited the school premises once law enforcement showed up, uh, but alleged that he was never given a time limit on his access to the documents. He said, I went to the superintendent's office and we had a discussion about copyright, McBarity told DCNF. He said he would give me the binder, and at that point, I'm like, okay, I'll just take the binder and write as much stuff down as I can. He sat four feet behind me, directly over my shoulder, watching me like I was on prison work detail. I guarantee you he doesn't do that with other citizens who ask for anything from FOO, from FOAA requests. He doesn't want people to know what's in there because there's some juicy stuff in there. In May 20, uh, 2022, for example, the school district filed a lawsuit against McBrady for the alleged bullying and harassing behavior towards a school employee. Pending lawsuit came after McBrady allegedly accused the faculty advisor of the school's GSA club of grooming children. That's what they got bent out of shape about. Uh, in January, the district came under fire after a coalition of parents created a database of 80 sexually explicit books found within the school's libraries. The parents demanded the district remove the books and implement a policy to review books that are flagged by the school community as inappropriate. These public K-12 main schools and national schools, their number one goal is to talk to kids about critical race theory, hypersexualization, social-emotional learning, which is all really leftist uh, pedagogy of the day, McBarity told the Daily Caller News Foundation. Meanwhile, math, science, English scores have never been lower. Well, yeah, because they're too busy focusing on this other junk and not the uh, reading and writing and arithmetic. And then you get kids uh, going to colleges, as I said, I think it was either on Friday's or Monday's show, 
where the, these professors are stunned that these kids don't even have basic high school math and grammar nailed down yet. And how are they supposed to... These are kids with scholarships getting into big Ivy League schools, by the way. And Which you kind of wonder how the heck they got in there to begin with. But they can't even do high school level work. And they're already in their first year in college in an advanced Ivy League school where a lot of kids are coming into these schools having taken advanced college uh, uh, high school courses. They're really like similar to first year college courses. You know, college prep and everything else. And they still can't hang because again the kids are not being taught the 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 main basics are being taught garbage it just uh, you know that and two dollars and 75 cents will buy you a a cup of coffee at mcdonald's or wherever who cares Uh, and and again that goes on to continue to injure um these kids chances to succeed in their education Finally on this, uh, now take this with a package of salt. Could be, I don't know. This being reported by uh, Kristen Altus, Fox Business. Shifting gears here. Stock market will crash in 60 days, according to a best-selling author on Lehman Collapse warns. Uh, The Bear Traps Report founder Larry McDonald predicts that S&P earnings will be the trigger, actually. He claims the stock market will crash in 60 days. After Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell indicated that the bank is not finished raising rates, one market expert has warned a crash could come in a matter of days. And in fact, you, you've probably noticed in the last couple of days or so, the stock market's really been down. Uh, quote, they're playing catch up. And while they're doing the quantitative easing in 2021, inflation started to rage. Now, um, let me just say that on this show, the late... Um, uh, Don Sylvester and myself talked about this, about this quantitative easing, how it was just really the, the Federal Reserve counterfeiting and shoveling basically counterfeit money into the uh, into the economy, that that was going to have a detrimental effect. That stuff catches up with you, and it's inflationary. He and I both also said back in June of last year, our previous year, I should say, 2021, that... Um, and those uh, archives are, are, are gone from uh, the archive stash on Spreaker, I'm sorry to say. You had to make room. But um, we both said that, yeah, this is going to create inflation. And then inflation is not going to be just temporary, a little bump in the road of a couple, three months. This stuff is going to be long-term and worse than we're being told. And we were both correct. Let me let you hear this clip uh, from this guy. And he was talking to Marita, uh, Maria Bartiromo on her show on Fox News. And, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Is he right? I don't know. It could be. Wouldn't surprise me, (laughs) frankly. Would not surprise me at all. Let me let you hear what he has to say. Well, it's kind of like uh, he's overcooking the goose. Um, You know, they're playing catch up. And while they were doing quantitative easing in 2021, uh, inflation started to rage. And now they're trying to catch up. Our, Maria, our 21 Lehman systemic risk indicators that look at equity and credit point to the, one of the highest probabilities of a crash in the stock market looking out 60 days. Wow, 60 days? You're saying you're going to see it? We're, we're going to see a crash in the stock market within 60 days? Yes, because um, the, the withdrawal of capital from the middle class families is so spectacular. For, uh, for every 1%, 
increase. Now, a lot of these economists and Wall Street people, they throw around, oh, the Fed's hiking basis, you know, 100 basis points, 50 basis points. The bottom line is for every 1% increase in rates, and we've done almost 5% now, uh, every 1% takes $50 billion out of the pockets of middle class families. Uh, auto loans right now are approaching 14%. Almost 20% of auto loans are 1000 a month. And so the middle class families are getting hammered here. And so the consumer pressure is, you know, violent. But on, on the high end, you know, the, the wealthy are doing well with excess savings and higher interest rates. Now, uh, I'm not trying to cause a panic here. But what I'm about to say, I'm not surprised you're this guy saying this. I'll say that. I went to my bank this morning and just had to transfer a a measly amount of money from one account to another. Lady ahead of me pulled three grand out of her saving savings. I mean, I could overhear this because they were talking pretty loud. And canceled some other kind of account and some credit card attached, something or the other, and blah, 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 and was wanting to get the money from that. But they said, well, you're going to wait till the check gets sent. But, yeah, we'll shut that down for you. And I'm thinking, that's a lot of money to pull out of the bank today to pull out of savings and then going to get a big check. And I heard the amount mentioned for what was coming from some kind of, I don't know, other account that was being closed and next to not next to her, but on the other end of the counter was an elderly gentleman who was also pulling a bunch of money out as he was explaining the crazy service charges and, nickel and diming fees because well they charge you three bucks if you get a printed uh a printed statement of your what's in your account <laughs> they charge you three bucks for the paper and the postage stamp i guess anyhow uh, he but he was withdrawing a pretty significant amount i thought huh this is interesting and then i hear this Are we building to a run on banks? I hope not. And I'm not suggesting that you go run to the bank right now and start yanking everything out. Okay, don't miss Don't hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is I think there's some people that are kind of nervous. And that kind of nervousness, I mean, it kind of feeds on itself. And it can create sort of artificially a quick downturn and, and, and a quick crash of the stock market and a quick collapse of banks and everything else. Now I've always said, make sure you got a little cash out, make sure to keep some cash out, some cash on hand. Don't clean your bank account out. And by the way, those of us who live by faith, you know, it says perfect love casts out fear. So we're not supposed to be motivated, uh, as believers by fear. So don't, again, don't misunderstand me, but I've been harping and warning on the show for a long time to be prepared that this stuff can't go on forever. What's happening economically can't, it, it just, it's not sustainable. The debt that we've accrued, we've got greater numbers of dollar bills chasing fewer goods. That's what inflation is technically with all these taxes that are going to be hammering businesses and everything else. And I've always, and I have been saying for almost a year now, virtually to the date that we are in the early days of recession. I think we're kind of even further along, along than that, or at least the type of recession. Here we are. And if the Federal Reserve continues to rack up the interest rates, which haven't worked so far in taming inflation, 
you know, what's the definition of insanity? Let's do the same thing over and over again, hoping next time it works. That's what the Federal Reserve is engaged in right now. It's insanity. Let's just continue upping the interest rates. They've already done it several times, and it ain't, hadn't worked. <laughs> the inflation still keeps going. So th- their cure is to crunch the economy, cause people to lose jobs, cause stuff to shake down. And, and, and if they cause the stock market to crash, which it seems like this is what's driving it right now, the Federal Reserve saying, yeah, we're going to raise more interest rates. And they were part of the problem of this thing. I don't agree. I, heard, I saw Nor- Grover Norquist on uh, the tube today, and, and he was trying to kind of play down the whole Federal Reserve component of this of this nonsense that they've got a big component in it they were the ones who did the quantitative easings i.e creating monopoly money to put into our economy which helped add it to inflation now so did uncle joe biden he added a lot he in his politics and policies and and those in congress in fact both dem and republic but especially the dems uh helped add to uh, inflation of course the covid pandemic and the war in europe and all that and, uh, and uh, gas prices a lot of stuff that added into the stew to create this inflation stew. I grant you that. But this isn't the way to fix it. And in fact, I would say that with the Federal Reserve, which is, by the way, another Federal Reserve, is tossing more fire, uh, more fuel on the fire. And now here we have it, and the possibility of a potential stock market crash. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. Would it surprise me if it did? Nope. Not at all. On that note... No, it's a bad note to end on. Got to go. Be sure to uh, check out the websites, christiantalkthatrocks.nutter.com. Be sure to take care of yourselves. Take care of those that you love. And remember, God is love. See you next time.